Hey guys, welcome back to Behind the Screen here on 889 The Bridge. My name is Quinn Haba. I'm Matthew Pingallo. And I'm Andrew Housen. Andrew Housen. Oh my gosh, he's Andrew Housen. And, uh, I'm Andrew Housen. Today's Thank episode you. is built a little bit different. Um, because instead like of... me. Yes. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew is built different. Uh, but instead of talking about, uh, you know, movies... Well, I guess we're still talking about movies, but we're going to be talking about a movie that... Uh, me and Andrew helped uh, helped work on actually. So, uh, Andrew, you want to you want to tell the tale? So we start back way. Actually, no, Quentin, you you start us off on on Thursday, that fateful night Thursday. Okay, so that fateful night Thursday, um, Andrew Andrew calls me up, um, and he tells me to look at Schoology, which is our school's uh, like way that we monitor basically what our teachers want us to do and our radio teacher joe posted a update about um a local short filmmaker um who wanted some advanced students in the radio to help with sound recording and sound production and so uh, mm-hmm. and it was like we should definitely do this and so i emailed the uh the person who was making the film uh dina mcneil she is a nurse and her and her family like to make short films um, as a hobby, and so we emailed them, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, you can, you can help." Then, um, you want to, you want to pick it up from there? Yeah. So basically, um, I saw, I reached out, and um, I kind of looked up what forty-eight hour project, um, the forty-eight hour project is. Um, and basically you have 48 hours to make a film and, um, I thought that's super interesting. Um, you know, I love film. Everyone, everyone on the show loves film. And I was thinking, you know, I may as well ask Quinn and Matthew. Matthew sadly couldn't cause, um, I don't know, Matthew, what were you doing? Yeah, family matters. We went to a pumpkin farm. <laughs> Very Ooh, important family awesome. matters. I highly recommend, actually, I'm not sure if I can say this. Yeah, uh, you can. My family went to Bob's Corn Maze, which was fun. I'm not going to say my opinion on that place. but Oh, yeah, because that, that falls under the category of, like, endorsement or something, which yeah, is not I don't allowed on a non-commercial them, station. I'm just stating my opinion that it was fun. <laughs> um, so yeah. many lawsuits. No, we're not. So, yeah, basically we did that. Um, we met up with her on Friday, and she kind of showed us what we'd be doing. We'd be holding the boom mic. Um, boomstick, not the boom mic, the boomstick. Um, and then we'd, you know, be making sure we pick them up. And then after that, we would put the SD drive on our computers, SD. upload it. To, that's what I said. You said SE. SD, I said D, but, and then we'd put that into our computer. Um, and then basically we'd upload it to Google Drive and edit it a little. Yeah, so the film day was Saturday and me and Andrew had to show up there uh, right at 7 a.m., um, which I wasn't a huge fan of because that is very early. Uh, very early. Because we were actually, like, the first ones there. Uh, and so we got set up in the comp- – we we were filming in, like, an apartment building in downtown Mercer Island, and we were using the shared communal, uh, like, living room and kitchen as our indoor filming space. And so me and Andrew and the film's editor, Banjo, we got set up in a conference room um, where we were doing a series of like mic checks and recording checks. 
and it took a while for everyone to get set up um, but then around 10 a.m once we got all set up we began filming the first scene and keep in mind this this entire movie has to be written filmed and produced in 48 hours so this the movie is like it's a short film so it's like seven minutes long at at the most uh and so the movie um it's a horror film competition so this movie was about a dad who um he's like drunk in las vegas and he um marries a uh like witch sorcerer kind of lady palm reading lady yeah palm reading lady um named willow um and then he gets home and his kids are all mad at him because he you know was irresponsible and and then willow pulls up to their house and she's like an evil you know weird magic lady so she kills the dad um and then the kids go off trick-or-treating and they're wait, like, wait, we don't want to spoil the rest what I said we don't want to spoil the rest. Oh really? You think? I mean, I I I want to see how it ends up. I mean, we don't. I wasn't gonna say how it actually ends up. I was just okay. gonna say like the plot synopsis. And yeah, so yeah, then yeah. Willow pulls up to the kids and they're hanging out in the woods, um, and then yeah, I won't spoil the rest. <laughs> but yeah, um, um, we thought that that was just such a cool opportunity to be able to um i don't know just just be able to see how a um film movie is um made uh-huh uh and what was your favorite part of the whole shoot yeah i have to say my i i, I like every part of it um i liked actually seeing the um actors act uh, matthew you're breathing really loudly he's um, muted Oh, then who's going? <sighs> Maybe me. My bad. Oh. No, that's okay. Yeah, no. So my, I'd have to say, wait here. Let's just stop. Yeah, no, that's a really good question, um, Quinn. I'd have to say, um, I really like seeing the actors um, act. As silly as that might sound, seeing kind of everything come to life, seeing the camera go, and people, um, you know, you hear the um, slate, you hear it clap. And then, um, you know, it rolls. And I just think for the, these are like pretty young actors, um, high schoolers and college students to only have that morning to kind of memorize a script and rehearse it and not sound monotone. Like when I, yeah, I, I, I've had to, you know, talk on camera a couple of times for my school. I sound like a robot. I'm like, yeah, yeah, hi, <laughs> my name is Andrew Howison. And then to see him just, you know, have a mold like you know what eight or nine page script and have emotion and kind of develop their character as they go i found was super super cool uh-huh um, how about you quinn i'd probably say uh i i like just being a part of the of the shoot like um i know you weren't a huge fan of holding the boom mic but i really enjoyed holding the boom mic uh because yeah. i was like you know um uh, basically part of the scene you know because i'm recording all the audio to the, for the scene and you got to s actually see the scene being filmed live um yeah which was just dope um 
so yeah, that was that was that was for sure my favorite part was uh, was just seeing seeing how the movie was was made and like recording the audio. Yeah, I I just thought overall for someone um, like both of us who like movies so much, actually seeing how one um, works is really really just kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, I thought the director. Uh, Dina McNeil was amazing. All the actors were amazing. And what I think was just overall um, kind of maybe one in a lifetime, at least for me, maybe one in a lifetime kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so while we were there, um, Andrew, you you were gone for the first one. But um, when uh, I was there, because Andrew had to leave, um, I got the chance to interview the film's original editor. I think they've gotten a new editor since then, but the original the original editor's name was Banjo. Um, and Banjo got his nickname from a play that he acted in, and it just kind of stuck. Um, and us and Banjo worked together to upload the audio that we recorded from the shoots uh, for him to edit together with the videos. So um, here's a little bit about him. Hey guys, it's Quinn Hobby here from Behind the Screen on KMIH. Uh, I'm here with Banjo, a young uh, film editor and sound editor um, who I met at the uh, set of a short film that we're both working on. So uh, Banjo, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about who you are? Well, for, um, I've been doing filmmaking stuff since I was about 12 years old, but officially for about five years now. Started off doing advertisements for the theater group in my high school mm -hmm. and eventually started doing my own short films and music videos which eventually led to working with other people and the goal is to eventually make it into a career okay so you began like acting yeah okay um so what do you enjoy the most about the work that you do the collaboration just the artistic end of it the creativity that of putting your heads together mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, what made you want to pursue a career? I'm guessing that you want to pursue a, a career in this. So what made you want to pursue a career in uh, film editing, you know, and that, that kind of thing? I just love piecing stories together. Okay. Being able to play with it and put, it, put together two totally different stories using the same things to me is amazing. Yeah. I think that's a lot of fun just to play with it, see where it takes you. Yeah. Uh, what, are, what are some of the projects that you have worked on? I've worked on a documentary, it was a short documentary about theater kids called The Green Room. I uh, shot a short film with a buddy of mine called Shaded. We've also done some music videos for local artists around the area. Oh nice, like who? Uh, like DJ Memphis and a guy named Moticulous, goes by Mo now, but he's off in Chicago. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, where do you hope to be in 20 years? 20 years. 20 years, I want to be living in California doing this full-time. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like Beverly Hills? I don't know. I don't know about where, but I know that I'd like to be doing this for my job, you know, full-time, completely. Right. Nice. And uh, what are some tips and tricks that you picked up uh, that you uh, know about or, or use to make... Um, mainly audio a, a focal point of any film project. In 
I would definitely say YouTube has been my best friend. YouTube. Yeah, Film Riot, Indie Mogul, Cinecom, any number of those YouTube channels out there have all been my best friend. Oh, Parker Walbeck and a bunch of others. You know, they have tutorials on editing and actual filmmaking itself, like the actual process of producing the video, audio, all that kind of stuff, gear reviews. So you learn a lot from those. I'd say YouTube is your best friend. Okay. But so is mistakes. Just just create stuff. Because, uh-huh. you know, I heard somebody say, you're going to be bad. <laughs> so just make that shit stuff and just get it out of the way so that you can start creating your good stuff and learn from the bad stuff okay nice and then finally what is three of your favorite movies three of my favorite movies goodwill hunting the shining and i have to say the breakfast club (laughs) i love that movie yeah it's a great movie dude that is like that is, that is for sure in my top three also. My buddy and I used to sit and do the John Bender monologue just to oh, watch yeah. you know, stupid. What are we going to do the whole thing together? It's awful. Yeah. Well, dude, that movie's so good. I've, I've talked, like, way too much about that movie Same. on my show. I talk way too much about that movie in general just for how old it is. Uh-huh. Have you seen The Breakfast Club? Dude, it's like 40 years old still. <laughs> yeah. What's your, what's your favorite scene from that movie? Definitely that one. <laughs> stupid, worthless, and doing the whole, you know, no good, God, freeloading son of a Dude, I, my first scene in that movie is right at the end when Bender's walking across the field. It's like the ending shot and he throws his hand yeah. up in the air. That, like, that scene like hit different. Iconic. I know. Shot right there. It's like the whole welcome to the rock thing that Sean Connery says in the movie. <laughs> yeah. oh, I guess it's called The Rock. Mm-hmm. alright well uh, that was uh, my short interview with Banjo uh, thank you for listening and uh, you're listening to 88.9 The Bridge so yeah that was Banjo uh, super nice guy uh, big fan of The Breakfast Club which I that is like one of my favorite movies and, I, I haven't seen it yet I really should bro, I don't know what it. I'm it's doing so good you gotta watch it I know that. I don't know what I'm I haven't doing seen it but I hear. Maybe that's what we What's talk it rated? about. Is in it November. Rated R? Yeah, it's rated R. Oh. I was gonna suggest that that's one of the movies that you guys uh, show for your, um, like drive-in movie thing. Yeah. But, but I didn't R. know that it was R. I yeah. thought it was like PG thirteen, but. Um, and then another person who I got to interview was uh, our, the film's director of photography and cinematographer, uh, Aaron Ryder, who, um. He 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 actually knew what he was doing. Pretty, I mean, not that other people didn't, but he uh, he moved up to Seattle from LA, who and he had been working in the uh, in the film industry for quite some time, uh, and he had this really really big and fancy camera that recorded all the scenes in really good uh, really good. Six res- K. Oh, six K. What? Oh, yeah, insane. they're they're on eight K now. Yeah. Dang, okay. Cameras are worth around twenty, thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um just a ballpark. Probably and, more. Yeah, he said that he was the fortieth owner of that camera. The what? The what? Fo- he wow. yeah, he is the fortieth owner I didn't know that. of of that camera. The camera can't be that old. I mean, it's not that old, but it just A lot um, of people. Like 
I'm guessing that it, it it's kind of like uh, like rented out or something, but um, you buy it and then you have it for a short while and then you, you bring it back to where you bought it or, or whatever. I don't know how it works, but um, so yeah, he said that he bought that camera for like tw- a little over $20,000. Yeah, and right. Like mm-hmm. I did not know cameras were that expensive. Without that camera, it would have been like two thousand dollars. Yeah, um, no, they're crazy. Yeah, but he he was a really big help uh, for the film because he he was a pro. He was kind of the only pro there. Um, but he was busy all throughout the shoot, so I had to wait till the very end to interview him. Um, but I asked him a little bit about what uh, what the work that he does is like and what the film industry is like. So here's what he had to say about that. Quick side note, but this interview was filmed in a busy apartment hallway with people coming in and out of elevators and uh, closing and shutting doors, so I apologize for the very bad audio quality. Hey guys, this is Quinn Hobby here from Behind the Screen interviewing Aaron James Ryder, a cinematographer and, and director of photography working on uh, various projects in LA and Seattle. So, um, first question for you, so tell us just a little bit about kind of what you do. So, a cinematographer's job is to be the right hand to the director on a film or a commercial or a TV show. I primarily work in narrative film and commercials. Uh, basically, we get to play with the cameras and we get to light and do design for the shots and work with the actors and the directors to help them achieve their vision. So, we're sort of the, the technical artistry behind your favorite films. Okay. Um... So, how did you get to become a director of photography and a, and, and a cinematographer, and what challenges did you face you know, getting to that? Well, I guess uh, it started with me attending film school, uh, went to UC Santa Cruz, and uh, actually graduated a year early because I was just really passionate about the, the industry and wanted to get straight to work. And as soon as I got up to film school, I realized you got to work your way up the ladder. So yeah. uh, I started doing some small little corporate videos with a DSLR back when like the 5D Mark II was like the new hip toy. Mm-hmm. So I had, uh, took some of my tuition money and had, uh, went and bought that equipment and basically just went door to door to these businesses trying to build up my reel, trying to build up connections in the, the San Francisco Bay Area. And that gave me opportunities after the fact to start doing like branded content shoots mm-hmm. for these, you know, bigger industries. And so you're doing like commercials mainly? Uh, no, it's mainly like branded content, lifestyle, uh, documentary, and uh, the occasional narrative film. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been doing this since technically I was 18. Even in high school, I was with my group of buddies and we were the ones that always made all the film projects. Uh-huh. And we even got paid by our, our friends in school to go film their film projects. So, oh, we, could nice. get A's. so we, were, we were always a little bit entrepreneurial and it's, uh, it's actually fun to know that some of them have still are working in the industry uh, as well as I am. But uh, came out to Seattle just uh, two months ago because uh, LA has kind of been in a slight production drought, uh, at least for me personally, and I also dabble in software engineering, so this seemed like a good way to uh, reestablish uh, some roots in a, in a new city. You know, I'm no stranger to moving to a new city. I you know, made the move to LA uh, six years before with literally nobody in my Rolodex, uh, and I've come out of that having the opportunity to work with the biggest vendors, camera manufacturers, and some really talented musicians and directors. So. I thought, hey, you know, at least for now, uh, in this kind of COVID world that we're living in, um, I can 
try something new a little bit and kind of get back to doing film projects that I think are just fun and not a way to make money at the end of the day. Yeah. I didn't know that there was like any kind of film market in Seattle. I thought it was just all like LA, New York. It is. It is mostly, but there's a lot of people out here that want this to become a media town. You know, it's obviously it's a technology hub and it's the trend that technology hubs over time do become media hubs. Yeah. So just like people were kind of poo-pooing um, San Francisco for a long time is not like a, a cool city to like work in for film. Yeah. In the last 15 years, it's like definitely proved them wrong. And there's been tons of movies and great programs that have come out and, yeah. and shot there. So I see a similar potential for Seattle. Uh, it's going to take a lot of people demanding and driving a push for that, both from people that see you know a way to go and ex exploit the industry to be able to you know provide vendor services, be rental houses, or actually have studio spaces. Uh, but it's also going to take you know people that are out here that are really passionate and know what they're doing to unionize and yeah. really put their foot down for hey, this is a cool place to shoot at and we have the talent and we have the resources. Mm -hmm. So I think once the city gets to that point, there's nothing that's going to stop it from being similar to North Carolina or even how Atlanta blew up. I mean, no one thought Atlanta was oh, really? media. That's... No one thought Atlanta was a media hub when I was growing up. I didn't know it was a media Atlanta was just known as being the place where Coca-Cola was founded. Oh, it, was, <laughs> yeah. it was not where you go and made movies. You know, they did the color purple, I think, out there uh, back in the 90s. Um, but really, it wasn't until um, Louisiana and sort of the New Mexico boom in the, the late 2000s that Atlanta started to flourish. Because uh, they were like, hey, you know, we're going to dump a ton of money into resources. We're going to reestablish a really aggressive film tax. So mm -hmm. if Washington wants to, like, play with the big dogs, that's what they would have to do. Okay. And then um, one of our final questions, what is your advice for uh, young people interested in the film industry and uh, how to get into that business? Diversify. You need to diversify your skill set. You are not going to become a director overnight, even if you are <laughs> the best, most talented director in your small town, because yeah. there are those kinds of people all over the place. and. I, I try to tell people, especially ones that maybe are interested in like going into acting in the film industry, that like it, it really is a benefit to be on both sides of the camera, whether, whatever the specialty that you want to do. But yeah. you know, for me, I've worn dozens of hats. You know, I've been an editor, I've been a colorist, uh, I've been a systems engineer building out post facilities, which is like an IT job. Huh. worked my way up through camera department I've directed for smaller clients I've produced I've done legal clearance I've done financial raises and development packaging for people and these are all things that sort of like are interwoven into like business management which I yeah. picked up over the years but it was a necessity for me to be like hey I feel like I'm stagnating and I'm not gaining that upward momentum in my particular field how do I still stay involved in the film industry with the things that I know or the mm -hmm. things that I know I don't know, but I have people I could talk to and start to learn from and have them mentor me. So um, you want to you wanna definitely go in with an open mind, find two or three things that you really would like to do. And early on while you're young, try to reach out and find a mentor. Uh, I, I would have to say my move to LA would have been catastrophic had... I not made some really interesting connections that 
sort of helped me grease the wheels, meet some really interesting people in LA, get onto some of my first sets. Even if it was like next to nothing budgets, it got me my foot in the door and it started to build my credibility in town. Because mm -hmm. as you start to work, as big as this industry is, it really is small. At the end of the day, you're maybe looking at maybe 200,000 people employed across the United States that are working in this industry. Oh, so, really? So it's pretty cutthroat, but you're maybe not use that exact number. I don't know the exact number. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's pretty small, like for people that are like crew. Yeah. I mean, there's attorneys and people that work in marketing and work like corporate side for studios, of course, that like it just blows up at that point. But as far as the people that are like doing the day-to-day -day grind to make your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, the commercial that convinced you to go buy those overpriced sneakers, <laughs> that that is a very small group and they are kind of interwoven with each other. So, you know, come in, be humble, be a sponge, learn everything you can, really find those passions that you're going to be into and find a couple. No, no artist is going to use one paintbrush. Yeah. And then uh, finally... Uh... Top three favorite movies. Jeez, give me a second. Yeah, this is a tough one. This one sucks. I hate For anyone question. working in the film industry, this is like... Because there's, like there's movies that are like my guilty pleasure and I just will always watch it if it's on. Mm -hmm. But then there's movies that I feel like... Oh, shoot. Um, okay. Uh, my top three favorite movies are... Rashomon, uh, Requiem for a Dream, and The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Okay. And it's a master class in practical horror effects before everything became CGI. Yeah. I've heard of that movie. It's great. You mm -hmm. should definitely watch it. It's uh, Kurt Russell at his best, John Carpenter at his best. He made his own score. I mean... That's a perfect example of a person who diversified. He helped co-write it. He helped produce this movie. He was in the design process with his special effects artist to create the practical effects for it. Mm -hmm. And he scored it. Oh, wow. So that's a director that's wearing yeah. a couple different hats that he really shouldn't have to wear. But he liked doing it. So nice. wear a few hats. Yeah. All right, uh, well, thank you so much yeah, for speaking welcome. with me. Uh, this is Quinn Haba. You're listening to so 89. That was Aaron Ryder. Uh, he was a big help to our film. Um, but in his interview, he mentioned that one of the best ways to advance in the film industry was to diversify your skill set. Um, yeah. So meaning like uh, even, even if your primary uh, work in, in the film industry would be um, say cinematography um it helps a lot to have experience in all sorts of other areas like sound editing or writing or even directing um so do you guys think that as of now with all of you know like modern technology and the ability to do what we all do do you think um our skill sets are diverse enough that we like as of right now could uh could become successful in the film industry like me and you well all of us yeah i i just think again we we have access to premiere pro audition blah 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 and a lot of those are what they they use in big movies and just as long as you put time to it um this is probably the best age day and age to do this kind of stuff um 
you know, a lot of them maybe cost, at least most schools sometimes even give them um, for free. But if you're really passionate about it, um, it might be $100 a year, maybe more. But um, compared to a couple years ago when you have to buy them separately, um, you can't, you know, now if you have a, a thing on Audition, you can just send it to Premiere Pro and do that editing there. It's not like you have to download it to Google. I mean, there's just buttons you can click and it, autom it does it in real time. Just instantly and I, I just think um, if you're really passionate about it the more the more you diverse diversify the the more likely you are to get gigs okay yeah oh yeah I mean like that's that's basically what uh, what what Aaron said too yeah um, I completely agree I think the disadvantage of that though is that um, because of that people uh, like young people who want to um go in that industry they they have to work that much harder um just to like um a young person's skill set today just to get into the industry would be similar or similar or probably more than like uh what who's a who's a who's a famous director from like the 70s <laughs> um yeah i i can understand what you're saying but at the same time i feel like if you're if you're passionate enough you will spend that extra time and be above everyone else same with back then i just think even though everyone has the opportunity it doesn't mean everyone will use the opportunity okay yeah so if There's you're one to, to that yeah if you're the one who uses the opportunity that's why you're gonna be better than someone who might have it but just doesn't do anything with it so I think, yeah, the fact that everyone has it, you're put at a little bit of a disadvantage. But I think overall, um, it, it's cheaper. You can do so much more than what you could do even 30 years ago, just as long as you really spend time on it and you're passionate about it. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, do you think that um, after this experience, you would want to potentially, uh, having gotten like a taste of uh, how films are made and what that whole industry is like, do you think you uh, would want to pursue a a career in that in any kind of field of that industry? Me personally, probably not. Um, I would like to maybe go to more, um, but I, I think that movies just aren't really um, like I don't know being in movies and helping them just isn't what what I'd really want to do. What you know? What would you want to do? Right now, um, I honestly don't know. Um, it could be that, but I just, I just think, for at least right now, um, I wouldn't want to be doing that. You okay. know, I, I do, I do really, really enjoy it. All right. I really thought it was a cool experience. Well, then maybe it is something that you might want to do in the future. Maybe, yeah. And if there's definitely another one, um, again, I was super excited and super thankful that. Um, we got invited to that. And if there was another one, I would totally go. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, the, that about caps off our episode. Matthew, I'm I'm sorry that you, you didn't really get a chance to actually say anything in this well, one. Yeah, wait, wait, Matthew. Let's get, do you have anything you want to say about about what, what we asked or what we talked about? Um, well, yeah, I just think that um, at this age, it's really hard to get experience with that kind of stuff unless you... I guess just um, 
you, you're like an intern at some sort of film school or something. Um, but I think with radio, this is like the perfect first step to take if you want to pursue a career like this, like uh, Um yeah. I, I just think it's perfect. And like you guys said, you know, you can either you can either choose to take the opportunity or not. And a lot of kids just take this class just to take the class, like just just any other class to them. But um, for us, you know, we actually um, take the opportunity to learn new things and to try to, um, I don't know, just help us get more involved with production in the future. Facts. No, yeah, I completely agree. All right, well, once again, that about caps off our episode of Behind the Screen Goes Behind the Screen. Um, <laughs> we'd like to say a quick thank you to Dina McNeil for putting together this whole event and uh, yeah, Dina. Re- reaching out to Joe uh, and basically giving, giving us this opportunity. It was really fun, um, and we hope that this film turns out well and uh, makes it to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you guys so much. All right. Listen next week to Behind the Screen on 889 The Bridge. I'm Quinn Hobble. I'm Matthew Pingallo. And I'm Andrew Howison.